there's a great opportunity for a contrarian ascension or retention. So ascend or retain through a contrarian stance. If you can take a contrarian stance, that could be a reason why someone buys. Like they just believe you've got the way. Welcome to Marketing with Matt. If you're an entrepreneur or business owner looking to create more margin in your life and business, you're in the right place. For more after the show, be sure to check out ProfitMoreWorkLess.com. Man, I, you you and I met because of a mastermind, uh, and then you just came back from another one. What's your what's your takeaways from your most recent mastermind? So this was driven. It's Perry Belcher's, uh, Jason Fladlian, and uh, Kasim. It's Aslam. I always remember Kasim is awesome. That's how I know how to pronounce his name. But he hasn't given a, a mnemonic for his last name though. Yeah, yeah, but people just know Kasim. Kasim is awesome. And if you've been in the like that digital marketer world, you, you usually know Kasim. And so actually Driven, just for a quick backstory, so there was War Room, which is a long-standing mastermind that had um, Ryan Dice and Roland Frazier and Perry Belcher um, who ran that for I don't know, probably like a decade or more. And that was all in the digital marketer world, right? Because I was at Traffic Conversions. They'd done all these sort of ventures together. And so that's how they um, had that. And so there's a lot of folks kind of coming from that side of the world. I was never in that world. I like literally, I don't think I've ever given digital marketer a dollar. Which is surprising because you're a really good consumer. I know. I'm such a good consumer. <laughs> but it just didn't hit me. I, I got hooked into a different world of marketing yeah. and felt no need. No need to even try uh, to to consume any any of their content stuff, which it's a bummer for me because I I I uh, just missed out on on that whole diverse space over there. So anyway, they uh, war room split, and so now there's uh, founders board and scalable, which is kind of Ryan Dice's, and uh, I think Ryan and Roland went that way, and then Perry partnered up with Jason Fladley and and Cosm and created Driven. So this was the Driven Mastermind. And it was it was awesome. It was great. All of these kind of like I don't want to call them like higher level masterminds, but when you're getting into any masterminds, well, not, not all of them like this, but I feel like in this circle, there's a common theme, which is you're going to hear from the founders right. or the people who are leading it, like kind of what they're doing. And they kind of pull their network of other folks that are, that are doing it. And so you've got, um, you know, a, a pedigree of the people who founded it and then the pedigree or the exposure and, and insights of other folks that are that, that just, who do they pull into the room? Right. And so you'd be like, you know, how did, how did I end up there? It was actually, I, I don't, uh, I know more so, but I didn't deeply know Perry, right? Because I wasn't in that space. It was Cossum and the connection was affiliate stuff. So we were both, you know, high ranking affiliates and then Cossum affiliated our stuff. And so instant connection relationship there. We spoke at JC's summit in Costa Rica. That was also like another connection point. Both Cossum and I were on stage there. And so, and then I heard them starting this mastermind and I'm a, I'm a consumer of masterminds. I'm an easy buyer. And so... When you get in this kind of space, though, when you're like, when you're doing it, you're in, not everybody does what I do. I don't even know if it's recommended, but like I buy and I just like stay. Like, why, why do you do that? Because there's a lot of common threads or it can be, it can be paralysis. I actually do not recommend trying to get a million different voices and ideas in your head because, you know, execution is everything. Ideas are worthless. And uh, so I, even when I approach, I'm kind of looking for that. I'm looking for like, what's my one idea and, and uh, so now we're getting into like how to just attend mastermind. Sure. Come with like, what's the one thing that I want to achieve while I'm there? And then, and then I'm listening for what's the one idea I'm going to take away. Smart. And that's my cap. And the rest of the time, I'm just like, enjoy, like, just be, just connect. 
Um, and I, I've spoken about this before in terms of like live event marketing. This is a form of live event marketing, but it's face-to-face, toes-to-toes. You get folks' attention and their time in a way that you can't do it in other ways. And so, uh, for example, I'll give folks insight into like my motivation because they do events quarterly and I've been in the mastermind and I attend one, about one event per year. <laughs> and so uh, sometimes when you get folks to this, they'll like move around different areas. I had a hunch based on location, who would attend. So this was Vegas, and the con- and the conversation that I wanted to have was someone based in Vegas. I don't want to talk too much about this. It feels like it's, if, I don't know. If I don't think you need to go into the specifics of it, but like the idea is strong. There's a thoughtfulness there, right? Even if you've got a connection, even like Kasim, I mean, we, got, we share phone numbers, we'll talk and text, but I, I'm, I actually wouldn't even expect to like call Kasim and be like, hey, let's chat for an hour kind of a thing. It's just like, you're doing life. However, very easy to hang out, you know, at dinner or after dinner or whatever it is, or in the mornings and breakfast and have long conversations you couldn't otherwise have. And so, um, and there's just like a different type of attention there. So I, I really love, I love in-person marketing because it's, it's back to the basics of like, what is marketing? Connecting people. But the the premise is different. You're less distracted. Well, we met Kasim. Did you know Kasim before this, the Steve Sims event? Or did we meet him together that same night? Because I feel like I oh, yeah no I knew him through well I, wait, oh wait, you guys both spoke at at uh, at the commitment summit so I guess you didn't know each other before that we both spoke there and I guess I didn't even remember you were at Steve yeah Sims the one in the one in L A yeah we and then I yeah because yeah, I remember what was so fascinating is everyone was kind of together and then we went to another place but like we needed to drive and I had driven in so I I drove over the reason I'm saying this is. It is so fascinating how the type of communication, the type of conversations you have when you're just kind of doing real day-to-day stuff is creates such a more human connection compared to uh, like, oh, let's jump on a Zoom or I'm going to send emails back and forth. And I think there's a lot of value in creating deeper relationships when you're in person and kind of like for a weekend or two days. Yep. And it's just a different context. Different context because... As the the barrier to entry to like let's say running ads, someone discover you because you run ads. Barrier to entry is very low. It's like pay Facebook a couple hundred bucks and they will put your ads out there. Now, obviously, there's exposure if someone's like, I see your face everywhere. They're like, okay, I'm spending a little bit more than a hundred bucks, but sure. technically, barrier to entry for like someone seeing that you exist, very low. Barrier to entry to like one, you got to pay to be in the mastermind, then you got to show up and prioritize and all the sort of things. It's just a different thing. So you'll you'll put it in different contexts and. And all that, um, and I, like a good example uh, for me, I, it, it's funny, you know, people that you connect with in different scenarios. So it actually, was it was a Steve Sims event? He did a mastermind. Um, Jason Fladlian, who now runs this mastermind, I first met him. So he was somebody who I met at Steve Sims event. How did I first know that he existed? I think he was speaking to a room of five thousand people, and I was just one of the five thousand. So first context of like on my radar, I'm like, oh, you're legit. Also, you're on a stage in front of 5,000 people and I am one of 5,000 attendees. And I remember like he left an impression. I've heard a lot of like big speakers like Jason left an impression. I knew I was like, dude knows webinars. And then also what was unique about his model is he does multiple eight figures via like a pressure launch kind of a thing. And so like... um. You know, when you're like, what do you do? Well, it, it wasn't even what do you, you're hearing someone from stage or whatever it is, they're like, you know, breaking down their method of like, here's how we did 57 million on one webinar launch, you know, w- or one pressure launch webinar. You're like, oh, you're in a different category. 
you're like that's that's um that's just like oh yeah i know five other people that do the same thing i know no one else that do, even even if i know someone who does that much revenue in a year it takes a year it doesn't take two weeks or at least it's not like you know it's not super bowl style performance or you know um on that level and you get to sit down and chat and i remember when i talked to them before i, I you know, like ask and listen. And so I asked a question about like, you know, what's your focus for the next year? And I remember, and I came back and here I'm seeing him again in place. And he'd be like, how did it go? And he remembered our conversation. Well, there's two sides so far that you're addressing, right? Which I love. And just to recap, kind of your intention going in is what's like the one thing I want to accomplish, either a conversation, someone to meet, whatever that may be. And then I like that you simplify the exit as what's my one big takeaway instead of like a laundry list of hundreds of notes that probably won't ever get implemented. It's like, what's one thing I learned that I can go and, and do? That, yeah. So just as a, it's helpful to anybody, live event marketing, or like if you, also, if you're thinking about putting on a mastermind, do it like that, that, like that's what I think about is if I can just give one thing. Now you end up having to deliver a ton of value because it might be different to, you know, the person who's going to, um, you know, everybody could grab a different thing. But as an attendee, that's, that's how I think about it. So yeah, did you have a big takeaway? So there's two things. Was call it tactically there was a um perry actually broke down this is a classic thing i think he's taught before but it's just you're in the right place to, to hear it at the right time and so um one of the things he was breaking down i think he's i think he credited to someone else maybe it wasn't his thing but it was in a conversation he's breaking down like the the reasons why um was it why someone buys and my tactical nugget was the the contrast or the um, contrarian. So like we've heard this, like I, I subscribe to a newsletter uh, called Contrarian Crew or this is um, Cody Sanchez. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she spoke at the, um, the summit we were sponsoring or exhibiting at. And so this idea of you attract folks by being a contrarian. This is the, um, everyone thinks it's this, but it's actually that. And I actually heard a couple of uh, a few times during presentations and talks, Cosm uh, does this. Maybe he's practice it. I hear it a lot from how he will speak about it. It's like everything that you've ever been taught about Google ads and placement and pixels is absolutely wrong and will absolutely fail you. And that's the hook. Very contrarian. It's like, every, like, like what's common knowledge is wrong. But let me tell you, this is the, the, the sliver of the way that it actually makes sense. As simple as that seems, so folks are like, Matt, you flew and got a hotel and traveled all this way. And like, that was your thing. And I'd say like, yes. And in its application, here's what that looks like is I was realizing um, there are certain areas in our even post-purchase cycle where I realize I think there's a great opportunity for a contrarian ascension or retention. So ascend or retain through a contrarian stance. And so here was my thought. If This is a deep market, a little bit deeper marketing here. But so um, typically, so he was saying, if you can take a contrarian stance, it will, that could be a reason why someone buys. Like they just believe you've got the way. And I'm not, I'm not very contrarian. I'm just like not that way. Uh, naturally, I'm also, you could say in the same way in there, it's in the line of confrontational. Like there are people who like, that's how they draw attention. They create conflict. They, uh, they like to confront with folks, you know, um, a, a classic example of this, I feel like is Dan Henry. And I just see him as like the epitome of the, um, create conflict and sell that way is just like pick fights. I think 
you'd probably say he's matured. He's less like this than he was, you know, maybe years ago. But there's there's an underlying feeling of that. Like, and and I think he's poke. he's still just as contrarian, just less personal. Like he won't necessarily go after an individual anymore <laughs> as much as a concept. Yeah. So it's a little bit more matured. He's like he's still th- this this uh, um, antagonistic marketing works but I'm not going to antagonize a person. Maybe I'll antagonize a, con- a concept there. And I've seen, he, you're right, he still does it. He'll, he'll post stuff about gender roles or something like that, which are like has nothing to do with business, but he just knows it's, it's like the car accident marketing where it's like, man, if, if there's a car accident, people slow down and they look and their attention is there. And so in, in the game of getting attention, you can get attention by just creating conflict. I'm not that way. That's not my style at all. So it would feel disingenuous if I just started all if my front end marketing became that way. I actually did that once. I tried a con, like a conflict style marketing thing, and it, it felt like just awkward. And even if it worked, it was just like not me. But the contrarian stance for ascension and retention is, um, or at least that's how I was thinking about it. So when, once someone's a buyer, they've already committed. And like they, to, to some degree, they've committed, they just made the purchase. What I realized is how do I, it, is there a possibility to make part of their indoctrination, welcome your part of us, is to introduce a contrarian stance that motivates someone to ascension. So, a good example of this would be um, I, if I sell soap and I sell soap and let's say it's dish, dishwashing soap and you're like, they just bought their dishwashing soap. And part of my saying like, welcome, here's the dishwashing soap. Um, now, I'm sure you're probably using the soap with a sponge, but everything you've ever heard about sponges, everyone, everyone's told you about sponges is absolutely wrong and can ruin your life. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that like very few people know, and I, I really wish more people did. And then I tell you about all the maladies of sponges and my journey of how sponges are horrible, and they almost ruined my life. Um, and so what I did is I sought out and I invented the magical, amazing sponge. And honestly, I think everyone should have it. It's a necessity. It changes your life. Your kids will love you more. Your marriages will be better. Um, and I want to get this in many people's hands as possible. So what I've done is uh, uh, put together a way where I can give you the sponge for free. If you buy a year's worth of my soap, which you already just signed up to get, you're going to get it monthly anyways. Um, But if you sign up for a year right now, I will actually give you my magical sponge for free. That was the aha if anyone's tracking. And so, you know, they've bought in and now maybe a, a compelling reason is to take a contrarian stance on something that is complementary to what they just purchased. And the proposition is fast forward the decision you were going to make. In my world, it's subscription stuff. So if you just subscribe to the SaaS, it's like, hey, you just signed up for the SaaS, you're set to go monthly. On day one, you're not, most folks' motivation is not, I'm signing up for this and I want to unsubscribe 30 days from now. So it's like, they're already, in, it's an easy thing to say, you're, you're already planning on doing this. But through a contrarian, uh, stance you can create desire for that ascension and then uh and and make that make that offer there so that was my take i really like that i like the soap example i think feel like it makes sense and i feel like it's a good way to increase lifetime value and um yeah really cool very solid takeaway yeah what else this is uh well it's it's funny so that subtly 
I um, also learned, this wasn't going to be my big takeaway, but it's, it's subconsciously got in my mind. You know why they call them soap operas? Like the shows? But isn't that who used to sponsor them? Yeah. Soap opera shows were invented by Procter & Gamble to sell more soap. They, they created the drama series. And what they would do, and this is what they found is like when you have this suspended reality, which is what stories do and shows do for us, is we're in this almost like magical trance state. You are more, in a sense, more susceptible. You're, you're more optimistic. You're, you're in a better buying mindset. This is why I like stories sell. And so Procter and Campbell started these soap operas where they would get, you know, the majority of the audience was women who were just entrenched in these dramatic stories. And then they would break them up with commercials for literally soap. And they used it to sell more soap. And um, I think it's funny. I, I learned that as well here. And it just somehow subtly made its way into my example of, you know, what do you do? You got your soap opera. They just bought the soap. How do you sell them more soap? You create a contrarian story about sponges and then you say, buy more soap and I'll give you my sponge for free. And so that was, that was my big um, takeaway there. And then the other, the other win was that um, conversation happened and I'll actually kind of unpack this little, this is a little more businessy than marketing. Here's my ask. If you're hanging out, if you're getting a ton of value from this, I usually don't ask. I, if this was good, please share it with somebody. Um, this is it. This is how I find out about good stuff. And if you've enjoyed this at this point, I'm about to, you know, break down some more deep marketing and business stuff. If you've enjoyed it, please, please do share it. Um, or leave us a review. I'd always love a review. That takes less time. Maybe that's even easier for you. Just go down there, punch those stars and uh, move on with your life. And so the, the, here was my takeaway. There's this idea in the stock market, and I'm not a big trader or anything like that, but of options, people maybe know this. You can buy options. Even companies will grant options. It basically says, um, I'm going to pay whatever it is. I'll pay $3 today to have the option to sell your stock at $20 for the next year. And maybe the stock is worth $18. And so it's like, I have the option to sell for 20, but no one would buy it. Like it's literally $18 right now. And so I'm buying the option to sell it again or buy it for myself. Basically, I'm buying the option to buy it at a value greater than what it has today. But it's so that's the that's the gamble is you're saying I'll pay $3 to sell it for 20 and maybe four months from now it boosts up and now it's worth 25. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Now I could buy it for 20, sell it for 25 the same day. I made a net of five. It cost me three in my fictitious example to buy the option. And I able to, I was able to, you know, arbitrage that, sell for five. I netted two. Hopefully you're tracking with this is this is kind of like a stock world, not the application here. What I learned about is this idea, they call it the golden lasso. And so in selling businesses, what you can do is go to somebody, it kind of works well if, um, if you've got, if there's friends, if there's trust, or if they're in the same kind of world and area. I think someone was saying this is the model for A1 garages. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I don't know that real example, but I'll use that mechanic example. Let's say you've got a couple of different mechanic shops all in the same town and you go around and say, hey, I'll, can I just buy an option? Because what I'm trying to do is roll this up. Because if I've got one, you know, mechanic garage that, uh, you know, it, it does a million dollars a year and it uh, nets $300,000. Cool. It's a million dollar business, $300,000. It's not very sellable. That's a high paying job is in effect what it is. Um, but you go around and you go to your three other buddies and you like, you're all kind of the same thing. Now we've got four 
but I bought options to them. I said, hey, here's 20,000 bucks for the option to buy your business at whatever a million dollar garage is worth. And you go a little bit more. Let's say they're, you know, because at that level, maybe the business is worth, you know, 1x EBITDA and you say, I'll, I'll value it at 2x. You go around, you got four of them together. Now you've got a $4 million business that does $1.2 million in net profit. It's in a category where now a, a, a bigger buyer would value it more. And they might say for your service-based business, I'll pay you $6 million for that business, whatever it is. Or, you know, what, there's different tiers and levers there. You didn't buy any of those businesses. I might've gone around and given each one of them $20,000 for an option to basically buy and then sell their business at a higher value. You, the option expires. I say, if I can't do this in the next year, like you just keep the money. I just gifted you $20,000. And so, um, to, if we're tracking with the math, let's say they each were netting 300,000. I said, I bought an option to buy your business for 600,000. And they, they might've gone for that. They're like, Hey, if I could sell the business right now for $600,000, I'd be happy. I'd walk away, you know, and the point of it is it's more than what they, what market fair rate would be, what they could get themselves. Um, if you've got three of those plus your own, what is that? That's uh, $1.8 million. That's what you got to pay out to your friends. If I gave them each 20,000, I'm 60,000 out to like buy these options. But if I turn around and sell this thing in my example for $6 million, what happened? I give all my friends, I pay out 1.8. That's right. Yeah, six each. 1.8 to them. And I've got 4.2 for me. And I took a business that, like market rate, fair market rate, if I just like had it and tried to go and sell it, it might've been, you know, maybe $500,000 someone would have bought it for, right? It's like, mine's worth five. I gave them all options for six, right? More than its value there. And uh, and I bundled them all together. I bought no businesses. I, I, I did output some money, $60,000, but I didn't have to manage them. I didn't have to change ownership. I didn't have to do anything. I just bought the option for that business and was able to turn around, bundle them together, and together they're worth more. And now, instead of me just selling my one business for you know $500,000, I sold all my friends' businesses. They're happy. They got more than market rate. I'm very happy because I did the groundwork, because I put up some risk to buy the options. In a, in a sense, I was able to sell my business for, to that example, like you know $4.2 million as opposed to $500,000. And, and what I did was assemble all of these parts together. And so that was another takeaway that I got through, uh, through a conversation. And um, I'll tell you the downside. So you're thinking, this is all great. Here's the downside. Or the risk, as you're the risk taker. They were saying, this process of doing it, the golden lasso, can be stressful. Because everybody has insight into the deal. So at the day where it's like, we're signing on the dotted line, they see I'm taking 4.2 million and they used to be happy with 600,000, but they could say, you know what? Pound sand. I want 1 million, right? I want 1 million now because I think it's unfair. You're getting all this payout. Like I'm only getting 600,000 now. And you can try and tell them like, well, I paid you $20,000 for this option. Like that's a contractual binding deal. The issue is they can basically explode the deal. And so you, it, it works if you've got folks you trust who are like fine with like a little bit you're, mature you're basically yeah a little bit more mature and and you're you're 
like they know it's like you're doing the, you're doing the groundwork like you are shopping the deal you are assembling this because you know like they're not friends all with each other usually you know it's like you're you made the connections you pulled this all together and yeah your payout's going to be in that example you know 10x is not 10x 8x yeah. what their payout is so they're they're going you're happy with yours but i'm getting whatever six times or eight times whatever you're getting because i'm making it happen um but that's the risk is cuz you could have but the basically the more people you do it with, the more risk it is because it only takes one person to blow up the deal. Um, because there's usually you're usually assembling to that cliff. So in that example where it's like I just needed over a million dollar profit to be in this threshold, one person controls that because you're not usually like overreaching it. You're not going to be like let me assemble five people together, you know, just to, to just in case two people want to or you know two people want to back out. I've got some uh, space there. You're usually like just doing enough to what you need, getting the maximum value of what it is there, but you run the risk of, um, you know, so you got to know, got to know there's high trust. There's, you know, a little bit mature expectations. But so that was my other business takeaway from, from the mastermind. I like it. Uh, anything coming up for you that you, uh, that your listeners need to know is happening? Um, subscribe to the newsletter. If you're not already subscribed, hopefully if you're here and you're listening and you, and you don't know, uh, that it exists are, uh, our margin makers newsletter will keep in the loop and we got some, we do have some fun stuff going on. And so that's, you know, I'm sure there's going to be link around the description, stuff like that. So make sure you're, make sure you're, you're paying attention to those emails because we, we pack them full of value. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in for this week's marketing with Matt. Check out profitmoreworkless.com to learn how we create high margin marketing. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the podcast, feel free to make a recommendation. I'm sure they'll thank you for it. Okay. Bye for now.